Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to talk a little bit about the news first, but we're going to get into this idea of trolling this it's a new phenomena it's an old word uh a troll was something that lived underneath a bridge or something to that wreak havoc with uh passerbys and seemed to be kind of an ogre in personality usually a giant but sometimes a small creature that uh, was very clever and mischievous but we have a new thing today called Internet Trolls. And it's actually part of a phenomena in the psyche of mankind. And we're going to take a look at that. But uh, I was going to look at a few other things that came across my desk in the news uh, in the world today. The idea that uh, this border events coming with the caravan coming across the U.S. border is a big thing. And the United Nations is saying we should open our borders and let all these people in and uh, the borders of the United States. The Pope is even saying we, that we should, you know, take down our wall and let all the people in. Of course, now he's got a 40-foot wall around the Vatican. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, I really think that we should be our walls. If we were really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if all the people claiming to be Christians were Christians, that we would create a different environment in America and, and the walls at the borders wouldn't matter. Uh, they would be insignificant. They wouldn't be these vast numbers of people trying to come in here uh, and create a socialist government because, of course, Christ was not a socialist. This is a thing that passes around. We have an article up at Preparing You about that, that Christ was clearly not a socialist. He was the antithesis of socialism. He was preaching the kingdom of God and and uh, its righteousness and uh, the righteousness of God because it is the kingdom of God. So it's his righteousness that that system of interacting in society is founded on. Uh, people, anybody who tells you that Christ was a socialist, uh, they need to learn a great deal more about what Christ was doing. And uh, the reality is, is that most churches today uh, depend heavily, heavily in their church society, in their church communion, in their church gathering upon socialist programs. Uh, most of the welfare that is practiced in modern churches in the top industrial nations of the world, from Australia to Europe to the United States, Canada, uh, now China, Soviet Union, all these nations are heavily dependent upon what can only be classified as socialist programs to take care of the needy of their society. That's a trend that has been going on since about 1895 and uh, really got going in 1913, 1933, 1960s, uh, and the war on poverty. All these things have been a rise in socialist-type welfare programs sponsored by governments who exercise authority by either taxing the people or borrowing against their future in order to provide benefits. That's totally 
the antithesis of what Christ was preaching. It's why Christians wouldn't get involved in such systems uh, back there and why they were being persecuted. We have articles that go through great detail and explain why this, uh, you know, I make that claim, why that is what the Christian conflict was. And uh, it really should be hard for people to deny. But people do deny it. They usually deny it by not looking at the facts. And this is one of the things about trolls is that they they don't want to look at the facts. And there is a increase in the world today, especially in the United States, over what it used to be. I can only speak about the United States from personal experience, but I've been here for over well over a half a century. And uh, I have watched this in society where facts don't matter. And a common example or just a recent example that we see with the Border Patrol used tear gas to break up crowds that were tearing down barricades, hurling large rocks at, uh, and there's videos of this. I mean, it's very clear that they were hurling large rocks. Uh, they had already uh, charged past the the uh, border security on the Mexican side and were literally physically tearing apart uh, the uh the uh, border walls of the United States. And they were hurling rocks at the men who were hired to guard those borders. Now, there's there's gates you can go to, and you can apply for asylum, you can apply for admission in the country, you can do this from your home country. Uh, I, you know, I've read letters this week of people from Honduras that say that they're, that, you know, I mean, it's it's a rough country in some ways, but it's really... No different than most of the South American countries. Uh, there's a lot of people that are making livings and good livings in the, in the country. There's a lot of poverty. But poverty is on the decrease in almost every country of the world if we would stop bombing them. Not just us, but the Soviet unions, anybody who wants to bomb Saudi Arabia, you know, who is bombing Yemen and caught, right, wreaking all kinds of havoc down there. Uh, at the core of a lot of this havoc is this battle between systems of government. All of those systems are are leading you away from the kingdom of God. And that's the, one of the beauties of the kingdom of God is no matter what system you live in, you can start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so, you know, when people... You know, take this this one picture that went viral of a lady seemingly pulling her little children away from a tear gas bomb uh, that is down in a ditch way away from the wall. Somebody evidently probably tossed it there. There would have been no value of the patrol guards shooting that way down there away from the wall. Uh, it's not going to disperse any crowd. There are people closer to the wall that are completely unaffected by it. Somebody probably picked up that canister and threw it way out there in the open. Uh, I mean, that is the most likely scenario. There, That is the... Uh, common sense should just tell you that. And that woman wasn't really in any threat. You can see the tear gas going the other direction than she was. <laughs> and uh, later on, she went back and retrieved that uh, tear gas because she's seen holding it up in interviews that she went and got the tear gas canister. So she wasn't in any real threat. Nobody shot it at her or women and children. And it isn't any different than what they've been doing for a dozen years 
because that was all done under other administrations and nobody was outraged. The people who are in this caravan are being played by big money who's financed a million dollar caravan to bring thousands of people to the border. There are other caravans. They're starting to bring thousands more to the border. Uh, and those, all those people in those caravans are being played by people with a political uh, agenda. And all the people who are seeing these pictures are being played by an irresponsible media and by people with a political agenda. Uh, it, and if you want to keep doing that, it's going to distract you from se- seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is what trolls do. And we're going to look at the spirit of trolls and why they do it. Uh, just uh, you know, just minutes before the program came on, I heard an interesting statistic: like 420,000 people in California were called to jury duty uh, this last year and used uh, uh, a reference that uh, they could not do jury duty because they were not U.S. citizens, but they were on the voters' registration <laughs> in California. And, of course, there are people who think that's really a good, that, you know, one month or, or year or they've spent millions of dollars on an investigation worried about Russian influence in uh, U.S. elections. And now they are claiming they want foreigners from other countries in the country illegally to be able to vote in the elections. And uh, evidently, at least 420,000 people, uh, just from what they they got from the uh, jury duty, which is not, you know, it's just a sampling of the people in California. So they were probably dealing with millions of people in California, are now voting and are not even legal citizens, or at least not even citizens of the United States. Some of them might be legally in the country. But... Uh, now you can see why certain constituencies are wanting to get more and more people, especially from South America, into this country. And why South America? Well, you you can, you know, I've heard interviews from people from uh, Guatemala and Brazil uh, explaining, you know, uh, intelligent people, uh, educated people saying that everybody, Almost everybody, they're just beginning to start to get a slight hint of people, but almost everybody is a socialist to one degree or another. There's extreme uh, socialists over here on this side uh, that are communists, and uh, then there's less extreme communist socialists over here on the other opposing parties. Some of, you know, and some some of these countries have dozens and dozens of parties, which just splits the votes of the people. And allows people, uh, you know, parties that are not representing the majority to get into power. And so that's why two-party systems are actually would be better. But actually, what is best is not seeking the uh, d- democracy at all. Democracy for a century in this country or more, actually for more than a century, was considered a bad form of government. Even at the the beginning of the last century... In the U.S. Army Field Manual, it said democracy was a bad form of government. Uh, that it was 51% of the, it didn't say this and that, that it went on and explained in greater details. We have copies of it on our article on democracy at Preparing You and at HisHolyChurch.org. Uh, but democracy was considered bad. This is just history that you should know. Uh, 
These are facts. <laughs> Democracy was called a bad form of government by the U.S. government in 1927 in the Army Field Manual. But uh, by 1954, democracy was now in the same or similar to the replacement manual, uh, saying that democracy was good and it's what we were fighting for. So somebody's changing the way we think. Those are just facts. You can go look that up. Go look up the Reese Commission. The people have been trying to change the way you think about certain systems of government for almost a century now. Or more. Actually, it got really organized around 1908. Uh, and the history of this is something you could research and look up. But if you want to sit in your house and watch TV and be comfortable and not seek out the truth, then you will go along with whatever current society is taken in, like the people in the caravan. I'm sure many of the people in the caravan were well-intentioned, uh, good people, but they are pawns in a game of control and power. And uh, money is power. So it's a money game of power. And then, then if you, if you get enough voters in the country, you can take California and all the other states that you want to take, uh, start taking the Midwest. That's maybe why there a lot of immigrants are being put in Midwest towns to change because a great many of the, the Muslim countries are sending over people that are socialists as well. Uh, and so you get, you know, you're seeing the voter dynamics in the, in the democracy of the United States, which was originally a republic, but has really become a democracy. We can go and unpack all that and show you the history of that. And we do on the website with many other podcasts. I would recommend that everybody, if you, if you listen to podcasts, uh, start going back and looking at our old Keys of the Kingdom po- podcast and, and sign up so that you can see the new one, uh, hear the new ones and uh, sign up for the network so that you can get, uh, you know, quick, uh, immediate uh, information and so that you can do things. You know, one of the things that crossed my desk uh, and yesterday I spent quite a bit of time accumulating food to be sent down to, uh, we have at least 15 families in the county well, actually, I'm not sure. It might be 20 families. I, I, I haven't, I've still got people looking into that because I, they came in a, a number of different ways, uh, from the Paradise Fire. And, uh, so we're helping them, uh, we're having people bring them food and help them find jobs. Some of them have already found jobs, fairly good jobs, paying jobs, uh, found homes in, in our local county. And this is through our extended network. But that's really what the early church was all about, is the creating a viable network, which was really called by historians a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire, that took care of not only the social social welfare in the local congregations, which were more like home churches. That they weren't building cathedrals yet. They were almost all home churches. But when they were net, networked together in these tens, hundreds, and thousands, which we see Christ commanding people sit down in, and that network of tens, hundreds, and thousands was uh, the way in which, the system in which Christians depended for their social welfare and their 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 faith emergency ministry auxiliary, which is just a, uh, I guess it would be a kind of an anagram of FEMA, 
for the church is where all these congregations network together were able to provide aid and comfort uh, to people where the, either the daily ministration was being neglected or there were dearths in the land. We see all that taking place in the original Acts of the Apostles. And they were able to move these funds and supplies around because they had this network in place, which was in accordance with the commands of Christ to his disciples. Before there would be a daily ministration or distribution of food, they would sit down so that you know where the food was going to go to, make sure that what food was available was evenly distributed, rightly divide the bread from house to house. This is what seeking the kingdom of God is all about. But people don't want to look at that. They don't want to see that. Uh, they don't want to understand that. And uh, But it changes the whole dynamic of your existence, your society, your culture, everything. If you're actually really Christians, Christian being someone who follows Christ, does what Christ said to do, is uh, is looking at Christ as the king. And then, how? but Christ is gone. How can he rule over us? Well, he said he would send this thing called the Holy Spirit, which would be our comforter. Well, unfortunately, people don't go to church to receive the Holy Spirit. They go to church to receive comfort. And many churches provide that comfort through sermons, through music, uh, through emotional experiences that are mistaken for the Holy Spirit. And and some of them get rather bizarre. I mean, if you go to Holy Rollers, uh, people, you know, s- supposedly speaking in tongues and everything. Well, that's all very interesting. And you could tell me that that's the Holy Spirit. But how do I know that's the Holy Spirit? Well, James told you, you, you judge them by their works. What are they actually doing? What it, What is their, how is their... Uh, Christian society, their Christian community actually functioning. Well, the way it's functioning is that most of the needy of their society is taken care of by men who exercise authority one over the other. In other words, most of the needy of their society, most of the needs of their society, the welfare needs of their society is taken care of by men who exercise authority one over the other. Uh, Men who call themselves benefactors offer benefits to the people, but they only can offer benefits to the people that they have either taken away from your neighbor or they have borrowed against the future of your children. That's how they take care. In most churches, that's how they take care of most of the people that meet in their church. How many people in your church are on welfare? How many people in your church are receiving Social Security? How many people in your church are sending their kids to free education, which is not free, it's paid for by taking from your neighbor, taxing your neighbor? All these things are being provided by men who exercise authority one over the other. How did they get that authority? Well, the people gave them that authority. And they're there is one party that is adamantly for getting more of that authority and the people giving more and more authority to government to take away from your neighbor uh, to provide you with benefits and security and all these other things. And there is another party out there that is not so anxious to expand that, 
but they are also not anxious to give up that power that they have already given government to provide them with free education, take care of my parents with Social Security, uh, take care of me if I, uh, you know, if something happens, I get sick and I have to go on, you know, uh, uh, benefits from the government to take care of me. But who is actually, what church is actually sitting down and saying, no, we have to learn how to take care of one another. And one of the ways to do that is that we organize uh, our, organize ourselves in small groups. Uh, the Greek word we see in the text is symposium or symposium. And, uh, and it, that means, uh, and it's translated companies. But that's usually ten people. There's ten people in a symposia in, in the Greek. And, and you know, I, I, I looked that up and you can find numerous places where they refer to, you know, a member of a symposia as one of ten, etc. And, uh, that's just the way the, you know, uh, the Greeks use the term. It, Christ probably did not say it in Greek. He probably said it in another word and that's the word that they, they translated into the companies. But he very clearly goes on to say in ranks of 50 and ranks of 100. And so why ranks of 50 and ranks of 100? Well, we see that in the Old Testament where people to, to gather in these 10, 50s and 100s and, uh, and thousands. And we see that coming from Jethro who already knew about that because it is ancient. It goes back in ancient times even before Nimrod uh, of free societies gathering in that pattern. Nimrod gathered people in that pattern, but Nimrod was a top-down society. He became this powerful Nimrod, this Babylon uh, leader, because he was a mighty provider instead of the Lord. The word there that they translate hunter is almost never translated hunter. It's often, more often translated provisions or, or, or things that are provided. He was the the benefactor who exercised authority. He organized the people in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, but he exercised authority. He compelled the offerings. Saul became king. He became king because the people would not be ruled over by God. How does God rule over you in your hearts and your minds through the Holy Spirit? Moses had selected 70 men that were to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be the Sanhedrin, not to legislate new laws or to regulate the people or to rule over the people, but to help the people rule themselves, uh, not their neighbor. And uh, and so the Holy Spirit has been around for a long time, but we lose it because we, we give up our natural responsibilities uh, to God the Father. And we, we do this by making other men the father of our society. This is what the fathers of the earth were. This is why Jesus said, call no man on earth father. And yet people debate that and trolls uh, will argue that. And we'll talk more about exactly how that works in to you personally seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a little break here. But when we come back to keys of the kingdom. So welcome back. So I I watched and actually asked a few questions on a private group on Facebook that to in order to take a look at what I knew was going to be a huge trolling response, and uh, because I was actually more interested in 
you know, what is this principle of, and what principles are involved in this process of trolling groups or, you know, you see this all over the internet uh, where somebody says something and and then trolls come out of nowhere and are, are, you know, our CNN, when I was on CNN International, you know, we made a few comments and you look at the comments below the video on CNN and you just see just totally troll responses. No, these are usually people are quick to come back with that because they actually don't look into what is actually being said. They they are triggered by phrases or, or statements and they also feel attacked. You know, I mean, if you're a socialist and dependent upon you know, there was a joke, uh, but actually it's not really a joke, where Jordan Peterson says, if you want to have talk on a uh, on a campus today about controversial things that uh, are going to bring out these social justice warriors who are going to be shouting down people, which is just a manifestation of the same spirit that's in trolls, uh, these internet trolls, except for they actually show up physically and hit people with sticks and yell and throw rocks and and uh, excrement on people like the yahoos of uh, Gulliver's Travel and monkeys in the zoo. They, uh, you know, and they show up to stop this person from uh, speaking. And supposedly millions of dollars worth of security are called out to try to prevent this. And they're burning things and knocking down barricades. All because somebody's going to say something that is going to upset them. And uh, so they're all out there fighting against this. And uh, Jordan Peterson says, if you want to have those discussions, just have them early in the morning because they're not out of bed yet. (laughs) Because they've been up all night, you know, smoking joints and drinking and what have you. And uh, actually, there are several instances where people who were very afraid that all those social justice warriors were going to show up, they did have their uh, meetings and conferences at 9 o'clock in the morning and one old guy with a sign showed up. So, and, and had they had it in the evening, there there could have been dozens of people show up. And so, actually, Jordan, I mean, he's taught in universities for, for decades, so I guess he had some insight into that. But uh, the reality is, is you know, like a lot of people say, that a lot of these people go out to these demonstrations and, and they wonder why the uh, conservative sides are not showing up. is because they all got jobs. They, you know, they're busy working, taking care of their family and and um, being a value to someone. <laughs> so they, they can't show up at these demonstrations. And, and it is a phenomenon that I've seen time and time again that, I mean, you have a, uh, a right to life rally and you have a, uh, a right of choice rally, which is really not the right of choice because nobody's demonstrating for the choice of the baby. The baby has no choice. They want to be able to take the choice away from the baby. But they, they have their rallies. They they want the their right to life rallies. You, you go look at the places where they have these and the right to lifers, the place is clean. The conservatives places clean the gun rights people places clean after they're done you go to these other uh rallies where people are you know wearing pink hats and 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 shouting and screaming and everything and the place is a mess there's trash everywhere 
I've seen this dozens and dozens of times. It, 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 there's something different in these two groups. Now, personally, I think they're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness would find fault on both sides. But evidently, leaving trash behind is not the fault uh, on the right side. It's it's a fault of the left side because because and it, it's a manifestation of one of the troll personalities, which we will get into. If not in the second hour, but in the third. <laughs> but the, uh, and it's, they don't care about other people. They're absolutely content leaving trash behind. Uh, they, they want you to think that they care about other thing, people and they will shout it. But in reality, that what they do shows that they don't actually care about other, other people. And again, this goes back to James. How do you know a real Christian? By what they do. Do they really love their neighbor as themselves? I mean, I hear people saying that one of the one of the guys who's really a troll. Uh, he's not as bad as some. He says that you know that you know the the two great commandments is that we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. But uh, he doesn't really see the kingdom idea of love. He sees the sit in the pew idea of love, the the feeling of love. But real love, I mean, the word love is also translated, every time Paul says it almost, uh, the same word we see translated love when Christ says it, when Paul says it, is translated charity. That if you really love your neighbor, you have to be there for your neighbor in a charitable way. When he has a real need, like in paradise where all the houses are burned down, you have to be there for him. And, you know, the people who want to just open up the borders and let all the the people in the caravan in and they think that's love that's not necessarily love as a matter of fact to do that will cause a disruption all the way down through south america where uh thousands upon thousands of people will start heading for the border thinking that they're going to get in uh 80 percent of the women who who try this you know crossing are raped including young girls uh, dozens of, uh, actually quite a few, I mean, dozens at one time of children have been uh, smuggled across. If you say, oh, you know, like the, the thing about ripping children from their arms, every woman, every family, uh, you know, husband or wife that has children who is arrested for any kind of a crime that requires incarceration, their children are taken away from them. Which is another reason why you should be sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, because you can you can take custody of the children for your neighbor, so that that doesn't end up in the hands of the state. And see, the way you should be coming into this country under the present conditions, because people don't want to actually seek the kingdom; they're seeking democracy or socialism or or some other system that is uh, degrades uh, mankind, and we. You know, I'm going to show you links uh, on the article that I'm writing on trolling that will show you that that's actually what degrades society. Is is democracy degrades society? When I researched the history of democracy and, and the term in the United States, almost nobody was for democracy for the first hundred years or more. Uh, the the first quotes you start seeing of people being for democracy were from like Karl Marx who said democracy was good because it leads to socialism and socialism uh, 
leads to communism. Uh, the mention of democracy was often mentioned that it, you know, that it was not a good thing. The 51% of the people taking away the rights of the other 49 was not a good thing. But that's what you have today. But it's because you've already engaged in a lot of other not so good things. And one of the, the strong delusions is that you're actually practicing Christianity. You're actually following Christ because you, you see something great in Christ. You want to believe in Christ. He may have actually some of the aspects of the gospel have changed your life and improved your life. And that's great. And brought you closer to the Holy Spirit. And then you try to reproduce that feeling of the Holy Spirit by going to church and then playing certain music that will trigger you emotionally or saying certain prayers that trigger you emotionally or taking on a certain tone of voice that will trigger you emotionally or waving your hands which will trigger you emotionally. And I can't tell what's going on really in your heart. But I know that the Holy Spirit is not an emotional experience. So if what you're experiencing is all tied up in emotion, then it's probably not the Holy Spirit. Or it is, it is something that it can get in to you and influence you that is not really the Holy Spirit. See, I'm not in your prayer closet. I don't really know what's going on in your prayer closet. Uh, between you and God. But I can tell by what you do when you come out of the closet as to whether you are actually communing with God. If you're thinking that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of government, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would not tell you that that's okay. The Holy Spirit would say it's, it's okay to love your neighbor as yourself in charitable ways so that nobody in your church has to go to men who exercise authority one over the other in order to receive benefits. Because Christ forbid that. It is not to be that way with you. What part of not be that way with you do you not understand? Well, so anyway, back to the this uh, trolling experiment that I did. Uh, somebody on the internet who's been around for a long time in the network uh, was suggesting that when Jesus said, call no man on earth father, and you find in the Greek text the word pater, which is a Latin word, it is also a Greek word. It is also a Sanskrit word. It is also an English word. The word father you see F at the beginning instead of P at the beginning. And you say, well, though, the, that's different. It's not the same word. I can show you dozens of English words that come from words that began with P, but now in English they now begin with F. I can show you dozens of words that used to just have the letter T, which we would call Tav in the Hebrew, uh, but it has the letter T that has been replaced in English by the TH, which is another way to say T. I mean, you can say T or TH. And uh, it's just a different way of pronouncing the same letter. So to us, now we see the word father starting with an F instead of a P and having a TH in the middle instead of a T. But originally it was Potter. And through changes in pronunciation in in, in different parts of the world, and along comes, you know, 
people like uh, Johnson, Samuel Johnson, and he's creating a dictionary to create a uniform way of spelling. And he writes F-A-T-H-E-R instead of P-A-T-E-R. It's the same word. Words don't usually have birth dates. They evolve over time, over thousands of years. But that word potter, father, they're all the same word. But what the point of my original article was, who are, who is Jesus talking about when he says, call no man on earth father? He has already condemned the Pharisees for their Corbin, which causes you to do no more ought for your father. So he's not talking about your father, your natural father. He's not saying don't call you. I've actually seen ministers arguing that we should not call our our natural father father because Jesus said we're not to do that. He's actually dividing the family. You know, when we grow up, we should not be looking to our fathers for guidance anymore. We should be looking to the church. That's what he was saying. It's it's absolutely crazy, ridiculous, and absurd. That's that's not at all what Jesus was saying when he says, call no man on earth father. He wasn't talking about Catholic priests because they didn't exist yet. So who was called father at that time? And this is the point of the article. And, and and how were they called father? And why were they called father? And if you and the guy who referred to the article as a crackpot article hadn't even read it yet. But he had decided it was a crackpot article. <laughs> and I've seen this where people, you know, they, they don't want to deal with the issue. Were the senators of Rome at that time called father? Pater. Yes. Was the emperor of Rome called father? Why were you calling senators father? You know, father Cicero, father Seneca. Why would you be doing that? Because there's huge Roman literature that the, the power of the government is based on the power of the natural father. Because originally, Rome, when it was a republic, was gathered in the tens, hundreds, and thousands that Christ said, commanded, that his disciples make the people sit down in that pattern because they were going to be taking back their responsibilities in a system that operated by charity. Rome at that time had given up their responsibilities of operating uh, in a, a, a free system, operating on charity, and they'd given up the power to the conscripti patri, the conscripted fathers, the senate, and the emperor, the patronus, our father who art in Rome, had given them the power to take away from their neighbor and from foreign countries and from people that they would subject to tribute in order to provide free bread, free cheese, free wine, free money. Almost every election, people would get these big handouts of free money coming down from the emperor and his treasury. Where was his treasury? Uh, where did he get the money? From the temples. The temple, the temple of Mineta was minting coins for the emperor. All these things we call temples. I mean, you look at these huge list of temples in Rome. And some of them were a temple that kept records. Your birth certificates in Rome were registered at the temple of Saturn. Other records, you know, uh, 
you know, tax records and etc. were registered at another temple. These are just government buildings. And the priests of those temples are the employees in those buildings. But Christ was teaching you how to build a temple not made with hands that did not have a central treasury, did not force the offerings of the people, that where each individual had to have God writing upon his heart and mind in order to exercise his responsibility in that government he called the kingdom of God. In order to help you take care of one another, he told you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And to call no man on earth father, to pray to no other father but your father in heaven for your benefits. Don't covet. Keep the commandments. If you love me, keep the commandments. What's one of the commandments? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, even through the agency of government. This is really simple to see and understand. But most trolls don't want to see this because they're not dealing with facts. There are, there are many different categories of trolls, and maybe we'll get into that. But the same spirit is in all these trolls. And, but why? What is driving them? What is a, why that same spirit? You know, we talk about physical DNA and we talk about spiritual DNA. The DNA is a pattern. I mean, you have the double helix pattern, but you also have epigenetics in every cell that can turn on different parts of that pattern of your physical DNA. Well, your spiritual DNA is a pattern too. You want the spiritual DNA of Christ, which comes to you through the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit comes to you and dwells in you, we're going to see certain actions. You're going to appear to be somebody who cares about others as much as you care about yourself. You might go into your prayer closet, but you're also going to sit down with others. And so I see the home church movement. We've talked about that recently, and I'll be talking about it more. And the home church movement says, no, we shouldn't be in these big, huge thousand people, 2,000 people, or even 500 people sitting there listening to somebody up there telling us what to think and what to believe and what to do. I agree. You're giving him too much power. The power should, and he's giving you too much comfort, which is why you give him so much power. I mean, that's why people give power to doctors. That's why they give power to lawyers. <laughs> that's why they give power to politicians. Is because they're lazy. They want, sometimes they do it because they want somebody to blame when things go wrong. But sloth is a big problem. The slothful shall be under tribute. God wants you paying your tribute to Him. And the way you pay, God doesn't need your money. So the reason you pay your tribute to Him is to take care of the needy of society and pure religion, which is unspotted by the world. What's the world? Constitutional order or system of government. That's why the word is defined in almost every Christian concordance. So th- that particular word that they translate into world, because they don't Translate the same word into world all the time. There's five different words in the New Testament all translated into world. If that doesn't reek of confusion, I can't imagine what would. Because you think they're saying the same word because you're seeing the same word. 
every time they translate these five different, not every time, but almost every time, they translate these five different words. And so it creates, it certainly allows a lot of license to ministers to get up there in the pulpit and tell you, believe this and believe that and believe that. And you don't do any checking because you're, you're not responsible. He's supposed to do it for you because you don't really believe in Christ and the Holy Spirit. You believe in Him. You believe in the doctrines that He has helped you create in your mind and you worship those doctrines and somebody comes along and say, that's not true. You're not going to like that person. You're going to argue against him. And if facts won't do it, you'll, you'll sick trolls on them. <laughs> and demonstrators and, and people with, uh, uh, pitchforks, uh, and torches to, uh, drive him out and you'll crucify him, which is, of course, why they crucified Christ. It's because he was telling them the truth. That they thought they were religious because they had a system of Corbin, but their system of Corbin that's another thing that people don't want to look at. You can go back to ancient history. Corbin is just the word for sacrifice. Somebody said uh, uh, that they had looked all up for the word Corbin in dealing with Rome. And and you can actually find it, although it's spelled different. It wasn't commonly used in reference to uh, the sacrifice in, in uh, Roman language because it's not really a Latin word. Although there are similar words that you can find, but it was sacrifice. And, uh, you had the, uh, in, in the Latin, you had Corbanos. And, uh, in Aramaic, you have Corbin. And it's just simply the word for sacrifice. And when you pay your taxes, that's your sacrifice. And it goes to your temples, which you call government buildings. Just like in Rome, all those fathers of the Senate had government buildings where they put the money they collected in taxes and tribute. And they redistributed the bread from house to house according to a system of socialism, a socialistic type system where everybody had to pay in and everybody could receive, you know, and it got out of hand where half the people in Rome were on the government dole and uh, it wasn't that way all over the empire. But these free benefits given by Augustus, were clearly, historians clearly show how they were given in Judea to citizens of Judea. And if the free bread giveaways fell on a Jewish holiday, Augustus Caesar had a proclamation that they could come on another day to get the free bread of Rome. So they were they were sucking down that free bread of Rome. But Christ comes along and says, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it another way. We're going to do it through charity. That's it. That's all John the Baptist was saying. You know, I mean, he was talking about make straight the way of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, about the only thing that he suggested to do is to start taking care of one another through charity. If your neighbor doesn't have a coat and you have two, share. That's why people from Paradise are now living in Lake County is because some people had extra homes and they opened them up to the people from Paradise. And allowed them to come into the homes. We don't have a lot of uh, rentals and extra houses up here. And they helped them find jobs right away. This is what Christians were doing. So those people, some of the people that were doing this are not a part of our network. They're a part of our, some of them, some of them are a part of our growing extended network. But I see in those people, and I have people out looking today to find the, those people 
who are doing those kinds of things. Because that tells me that in their prayer closet, they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Because I can tell by what they're doing. Not what they're saying, but what, but what they're doing. So what are you guys doing after you come out of church? Are you doing what they, Christ said? Or are you doing what Karl Marx said? <laughs> and other such socialists. Well, that's, uh, that's seeking the kingdom. Are you seeking the kingdom of God or the, see, the, the kingdom of Stalin <laughs> and Mao? Uh, anyway, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, Brother Gregory. And again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And we're talking about what John the Baptist, what Jesus Christ, what all the apostles were actually doing uh, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I, I saw somebody talking about the kingdom of heaven, you know, and uh, that we should be seeking that so that we can go to his everlasting glory in heaven. But the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same kingdom. They're not different kingdoms. Only Matthew, we see the phrase kingdom of heaven. And it's a quirk of translation. Because Matthew was writing to Jews. So probably writing in Hebrew or Aramaic. And so when we get a Greek copy, we see kingdom of heaven. And we explain all why that is so. But the reality is the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's for the living every time you see it mentioned, they're not talking about where you go when you die. We're talking about what you do with the life that God has given you. And in the life that God has given you, don't worry about tomorrow when you go to die. Worry about today, because what you do today will determine what takes place tomorrow. The kingdom of heaven is a present time reality. You're either seeking it in present time or you're not. If you're not seeking it in present time, then you're not doing what Christ was talking about. So all Christians should be eating of the table of the Lord, not the table of men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority, the governments of the Gentiles, the princes of the Gentiles. Christ said this in the Gospels over and over again. You don't hear it from those guys up in the pulpit because they are doing something different. Now, they may have a lot of the good qualities of Christ. What is the definition of the lie? Uh, of a lie? A really good lie has lots of truth in it. It just doesn't have all the truth. There's something missing. That is part of the truth that you've taken out, removed, covered up, don't want to look at. So yeah, there's lots of truth in almost every church. Because they can't sell it without putting some truth in it. You know, you gotta make it smell good. You gotta make it taste good. And that's, and that's why they're trying to get more and more people into church. But the church was not just a place where you went and patted each other on the back. Yeah, it wasn't just a place where you go and have this feeling of camaraderie and, and love for one another. If you only love those who love you, what do you got? You haven't got the church yet. Now, Christ is explicit about that. You have to love those that you may not even know. And again, that word love is also translated charity. You have to be cashing your bread upon the water so that other people may rightly divide the bread from house to house. 
And we see the early church doing this. And there's a dearth in in other places, a difficulty, a depression, some sort of economic, maybe wars or whatever. People, are, We just had an earthquake in Alaska, some point something. And I, I last I heard, there wasn't really a death toll, but there was a lot of damage because Alaska has those kind of earthquakes. It has more earthquakes than probably all the other states combined. Uh, it has a huge number of, at least big earthquakes. But a lot of them take place where there isn't anybody, so nobody gets scared but mooses. <laughs> but in this case, it was in a more populated area, and it disrupted roads and everything, and they're busy fixing that. Well, as a, a, a geomorphologist, uh, you know, studied in school geomorphology, it's very clear to me that the Earth goes through very traumatic periods of earthquakes which will happen again someday. Uh, we have droughts. We have, you know, it, this is another thing that where people don't like to look at the facts. They all, you know, climate deniers, you know, global warming. Yes, there's global warming. There's global cooling. I mean, headlines in the 70s was that we were headed for an ice age because there was a huge global cooling that was taking place. But now if you look at the data that, that cooling seems to have disappeared. Somebody's been gerrymandering the, the data uh, so that you, it looks like there's been a steady rise in temperature. And you can see that. You can go find the old charts and it shows a dip in cooling in the 70s. All that's disappeared. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. They're doing something different. I've watched them do this in other areas and I haven't seen it firsthand because I haven't been watching weather for the last 60 years, but I have been watching other uh, data that's come out of NASA and I've seen them changing. I've seen them erasing data uh, in real time. I actually saw the articles filled with data from uh, what have now become top secret projects disappearing off of line. First in the NASA online databases and then in the ESA online databases, which used to be a mirror of the NASA basis. In real time, God led me because of contacts with other people uh, so I could actually see the, the links to this data disappearing. Uh, so they're they're changing the way in which you view science even, not just history. And there's an agenda there. And, and you can call it a conspiracy, but it's a conspiracy of the soul. It's a conspiracy of the heart. It's a conspiracy of the mind that you have to fear. Because they're they're dragging your mind and your heart over into this other realm. You need to have God writing upon your heart and your mind. And that's going to take a certain amount of humility. You're going to have to be willing to see what you thought was true is not so true anymore. And so, you know, I was seeing, uh, uh, you know, put, pointing out, you know, what this whole Potter thing, uh, you know, this, this appearance of a word that means father. I mean, Jesus is talking to people in a nation that is occupied by Romans who speak Latin. <laughs> and, uh, he is, he, these people have been taking benefits from the Patronus of Rome sent to them by the senators, the Paters of Rome. And he's saying, call no man on earth potter. They knew exactly what he was talking about. 
Your modern Christian doesn't. And when you point this out, people want to argue that, you know, Homer used the word potter. Well, like I say, they used it in Sanskrit was even before that. And then they even argue that, well, some people think that Sanskrit did not predate Greek. Well, you know, you're you're back there a long ways if you're going to be talking about that. The common consensus is that it did. And the point is, nobody's saying Father, Potter, uh, Patir, uh, the Phoenician, uh, Patir, uh, and Patiri are all the same word. The point is, the fathers of the earth are the men who take on the role of the natural father, Take you, take that power, even the word emperor comes from a power that was originally invested in every man and now is invested in the emperor. And this is a whole process and we write whole books explaining free online, explaining how this process takes place over the years, took place for centuries, it's taken place in the last century in the United States and in the minds of the people. So anyway, I put a question to them, uh, and, and this was a Christian anarchist group, and uh, because Christ was an anarchist, he he wasn't for chaos. When I say Christ was an anarchist, people probably go ballistic and get triggered. Christ said, "You are not to be like the rulers of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other." That he was creating a government, appointing that government. I appoint unto you a kingdom. He said he was going to do this. said he was going to take the government from the Pharisees and appoint it to those who bear fruit. They were not going to exercise authority. And that's what an archist is. Someone who exercises authority one over the other. The church is not organized in that way. So if you see any churches organized where the people are exercising authority over the congregation, over other ministers, one over the other. That's not what Christ started. He he started, uh, you know, or reinstituted, uh, like the church in the wilderness, a system whereby the responsibility goes back to the people to take care of one another. But they need some sort of system to do this on a broad national basis. Home churches can certainly take care of one another in the home church. But if they're not doing this on a national and international basis, they're not doing what Christ said. And I see this in home churches. They all like one another. They'll help one another out. But they are not that network of tens, hundreds, and thousands that Christ commanded his disciples organize the people in. And if you don't do that, you won't be able to do what you clearly see Christians doing in the Acts of the Apostles and in the Epistles. Where they're moving funds and supplies around all over the Roman Empire and opening doors when people are fleeing from Jerusalem, when people are, are cast out of Rome, 14,000 families cast out of Rome. They had this network to absorb those families so that they prospered under the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And they prospered when, you know, I mean, how many Christians, I don't know, I haven't found any evidence of this, fled Pompeii before the eruption of Pompeii. <laughs> it is clear that some people were leaving Pompeii because the, the mountain was, you know, spewing smoke and ash and all this stuff. Uh, when the final eruption came, it, it, it engulfed Pompeii so quickly that nobody could even escape. And I mean, you can go there, it's just an amazing archaeological find where you find the people 
you know, right there. You know, they are at the dinner table one minute, and then the next minute they're covered in ash and, and turned into fossils. Um, but we know from his, history that many people were already evacuating Pompeii before that major eruption because of the earthquakes and the volcanic activity of Pompeii. And they knew that Pompeii had had severe eruptions way back in ancient times. And so some people... So who were those people getting out of town? And where were they going? Well, I can guarantee you that some of them were Christians getting out of town and going and depending upon a network of Christians that reached all across the Roman Empire and beyond because that's the way the early church was organized. It wasn't until the Constantinian church that you started getting like one bishop of Milan, you know, who was goes to the Senate and tells the Senate to persecute anybody that does not have his opinion of Christianity. And, you know, a, a couple months before, he didn't even know anything about Christianity. He became the... <laughs> the uh, bishop of Milan because the people of Milan were commanded to get baptized. The difference was is that John the Baptist said, repent and get baptized. These people just, you know, Constantine just said, get baptized. They didn't repent because that church was funded heavily by Constantine. We have a list of millions and millions and millions of dollars in money and property that was given that church created by Constantine. By Constantine. They, they were given this by Constantine. How did Constantine get all that money? He exercised authority and took it away from other people. <laughs> so that church was already day one in violation of the basic command of Christ to his church. And the reality today that we've created this whole uh, pattern of church and religion that says that's okay. And it's not okay. It wasn't okay with Christ. It wasn't okay with the early church. And it's not going to be okay tomorrow. And it's just simply not okay. So anyway, I put this question to this group. Uh, and I said it, they should find it easy to answer. Does Jesus tell... His called out ministers, that's what the word church means, called out. And that's what he did. He called these men out, said they were to be in the world, but not of the world. And he used that same word, world, constitutional order and system of government. He didn't say they weren't to be on the planet. He didn't say they weren't to, you know, eat and drink and walk around and do all these things that are earthly activities. He said they weren't to be of that constitutional order. They were to be separate from that. And so anyway, does Jesus tell his called out ministers that it is okay to apply to governments of the world to obtain benefits like public education, welfare, social security, and other public aid? And it's a simple question. Now, some people immediately said, that's not a simple question. No, no, that's a simple question. Did did he say that? And if, if he did say that, then somebody and then somebody says yes, that it's okay, then they should be able to point to where he said it. And nobody, almost nobody even answered the question. Trolls just jumped out of the, you know, immediately leaped on it. And if I addressed the trolls, they would have continued on. Uh, but I didn't. I just wanted to see. And then 
you know, it's only like three or four people out of all these people that actually answered the question. And most of them went off on tangents. The trolls were, of course, they were doing their nonsense. But uh, a lot of people want to start rationalizing this. And you can almost tell who's getting a government check on <laughs> the group <laughs> by their response or who who wants are sending their kids to public education, which is is not free. Somebody's paying for that. He said, well, I pay in. Well, yeah, you don't pay in. You know, if you have four or five kids, you're not paying in six, seven thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars per kid, um, which is what it costs in many public schools. Uh, you're not doing that. Uh, I think the reason to take your kids out should be simply because they're not teaching them the truth. They're not teaching them history. They're not, the, they have a social agenda. Now, like they're teaching them the, that there are four, five, ten, fifteen genders, you know. Why are, why are you? They have a completely political social agenda. Uh, because they, they want to go more and more. I mean, public school is a socialist institution. It only exists there because you're willing to force all your neighbors, whether they have children or not, whether they homeschool their kids or send them to private school or not, you want to force all those people to pay in. So you're participating in a system that is based on forcing your neighbor through men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to educate your children. That's what you're doing. And that is not what Christ said to do. He said it's not to be that way with you. So, I mean, that would have been the second question is did he ever say that you should not be (laughs) applying for benefits? And of course, if you go to you know, Peter says that they'll, you're going to get entangled again in the elements of the world, the constitutional orders and systems of government. You're going to do this through covetous practices, wanting benefits at the expense of your neighbor. That's what he says. You're going to be made merchandise. You're going to be made human resources. You have. Now, now you're under tribute again because you were slothful in the ways of Christ. That's just the way it is. Now, if you want it to change, you have to, you have to be willing to repent. Think differently. And you have to be willing to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, if you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're going to have to get good at forgiving. <laughs> That's just the way it is. And you're going to also have to get very unselfish and good at giving. It, it, it's just You're not going to be able to do it. And the more you seek to do that, the better off you are. Remember Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The kingdom of heaven is within your midst. It's not only within your individual midst as a living stone of the temple of God. It's in your midst as those stones come together. Now, how do those stones come together? Well, they depend upon a cornerstone. If you're a stonemason and you study building, you understand you get a cornerstone and everything comes off that cornerstone. That is that is going to determine the position of everything else in the building. And because that cornerstone is very, that's where you measure off of. So everything has to be measured off of Christ if you're, you're a church, even if you're a home church. You have to measure everything off of Christ and what Christ was doing. And you should start looking like the first century church that not only took care of the needy 
not just the emotional needs in your little home church, but the actual monetary needs, the food needs, the clothing needs, the housing needs of everybody in your home church. And everybody in every other home church that is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you don't do that, if you don't network together the way Christ commanded that you network together, you're not going to be able to do what we see the first century church doing. So anyway, I put that to them and the trolls came out. So what is this troll thing? (laughs) So I told you it might take three hours to get to this whole thing. But, you know, like I said, trolls are originally this mythical cave-dwelling being depicted in folklore as either a giant or dwarf, typically having a very ugly appearance. And uh, they they are usually guarding something, or uh, or at least they think they're guarding something. Uh, the thing they're guarding is no value to them, but then uh, they'll be under bridges and and all they're they don't want you to cross their bridge. They don't want you to go past their cave and you know this area. And um, of course, sunlight. They don't like sunlight. They don't like light. And it's not, you know, some people say you argue facts with them, but they're not really interested in facts. They're not, they're not really that bright. Although the dwarf ones are very clever in, in, in folklore, but, uh, you know, they're intellectual giants, so to speak. But, uh, and this is, so we get to the internet troll and, uh, and one of the definition is, says that an internet troll is a person who sows discord by starting arguments antagonizing or uh, ridiculing other people or their ideas he they uh, he and, and I say he because most trolls are male not that the same spirit can't occupy a female it can but it manifests itself in a different way so anyway but we'll get to that later but they uh they are posting inflammatory, extraneous, often off-topic messages online uh, in an online community. This is usually to, done to promote an emotional response or to disrupt a normal, on-topic discussion. And they will actually, you know, they will try to, you know, and this is one of the problems with the original Potter post that uh, the person had is they made a claim in the post that is not 100% accurate. And man, the trolls just wanted to stick to that one little inaccuracy and disclaim everything else. And they would not address. One guy was actually saying, because you know, I, I got them back on the factual point that the guy was trying to make, with which included one little inaccuracy. And, and that was the fact that the church is supposed to be taking care of all the social welfare of the needy in your society through charity. And if for it to be pure religion, it had to be unspotted, not using the governments of the world who exercise authority one over the other. And no churches do that, except for maybe a few Amish churches and, you know, a few here and there that do that. But most of them all, and of course people was, you know, wanted to say, yeah, but what about the roads? Well, that that's not in the question. And I can address the roads, but I'm talking about applying for benefits, not driving down some right-of-way that somebody came along and put asphalt on. 
and um and it, it's it's again it's taking you off topic and why are they taking you off topic why are they going off in these other directions why are they clinging to one little inaccuracy and not wanting to look at anything else is because they don't really want to see the truth that they, they don't want the light that comes with seeing the truth they don't want to look at their their anything that might show them as inadequate or failing to do what Christ said to do. They don't want to look at that. And I can understand why they don't want to look at that, but that's bad for them. So trolling is a bad thing for your soul. It's not healthy. But anyway, this one guy was saying that his Anglican church did this. And, uh, you know, Anglican church, I mean, there's a lot of different groups of it, but the Anglican church is not organized in, in, uh, a truly uh, gospel sort of way, and and that's why you know I mean they just uh, not too long ago they uh, consecrated a lesbian bishop who's living with her female counterpart, and you know it caused all kinds of disruption. But you know they don't they don't know what they're doing. They're they're just another one of these churches that are trying to make you feel good, and that feeling of feeling good. Is because they are absolutely advocates of the fact. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, ministers of churches like the Anglican Church, Methodist Church, have a list of government agencies you can call if you actually need help. If you actually need somebody to give you a coat and bread, I mean, they'll have little clothes drives and they'll they'll hand out a little bit of food here and there, and you know, to the poor, but. You know, all their ministers are on Social Security when they retire. Uh, all, all, they send all their kids almost entirely to public education. Very few churches promote homeschooling and private schooling. There are some that do. But they don't do it on a basis of of the fact that these are socialist programs that are dependent upon exercising authority one over the other coveting your neighbor's goods they don't they don't bring up that because if they bring up that in relationship to schools then they have to bring up that in relationship to taking care of their parents through social security and you know i i know a lot of people maybe who are hearing this for the first time say well social security i paid into social security and everything you you want to know the truth you have to do a little bit of studying now we've already done the study we've done the research we have thousands and thousands of footnotes so you can see where we're getting these crazy ideas but social security there is no separation of funds that social security is not your money deposited to pay back to you when you're old that's not how it works now you may think that's how it works you may want to think how that's how it works but that is not how it works you want to know how it works? Go look up our articles on Social Security. Go look up our articles on Corbin. And after you read them, if you find something wrong, let us know. If you want to condemn them without reading, or, you know, start ad hominem accusations with no facts, you're just another troll. So, what is the problem with trolls? And, uh, uh, we'll have to look at that when we come back. But being this troll, and if you find yourself doing these trolling things, you may want to understand what it is, because this reaches into all aspects of society. And trolling is just a manifestation of that, so you don't want that seed in you at all. So we'll be back and talk about that.
Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, so we're talking about this idea of trolling. I want you to understand that the spirit that you see manifested in the activity of trolling, and obviously there are trolls that are uh, on the internet that that are just despicable. You know, I mean, people are uh, repulsed by them all the time. And of course, that's the ugly nature of the troll that begins to manifest itself in the way they act and the way they treat people and all this stuff. But the reality is that spirit doesn't start out quite that bad. I mean, uh, the first troll was Cain. <laughs> he bludgeoned his brother because he was feeling frustrated. He was feeling inadequate. He was uh, feeling like he was this failure. Because the smoke of his altar was going down. It wasn't going up. And God told him, he says, you know, if you do right, it will take care of itself. But there was something about his altar that was not working. And he felt frustrated it is a failure. And, and, and eventually he goes out and literally kills his brother. Whose altar was working. The smoke was going up. Now these are stories, just like the story of trolls living under bridges, trying to impart principles and ideas to you. It's trying to give you a glimpse in the DNA of man as he was meant to be. The spiritual DNA of man as he was meant to be. So, anyway, what what is this trolling? It's this impulse in a man who impulsively, by habit, is emotionally hurting, harassing, or molesting others online. You know, the online troll. Seemingly without immediate detrimental consequences for themselves. But the reality is there are consequences. Because you're cultivating in yourself a spirit of sometimes it's revenge. Sometimes people troll back. This is what the, the troll, you know, don't engage the troll. That's one of the solutions people have. Because... You you fire at them, they fire back at you. And before you know it, you're starting to take on the character of a troll. And there have been people who have actually developed that addiction to trolling. And it, they just went crazy with it. It's like, a, you know, a Jehovah Witness after they leave home. And they're out there getting involved in all... Because they've been so oppressed. I mean, I, I use Jehovah Witness. So you can find it under Baptists and a lot of other religions. Where the young person has been so oppressed and oppressed in their families because they had to fit this mold that came down from their pulpit instead of actually awaken the Holy Spirit in them that when they got out of the home environment they went crazy they were doing everything wrong <laughs> and that there was no moral restraints because all the restraints were imposed from the outside on the child they weren't raising children to be adults they were raising children to be submissive, Jehovah Witness or Baptists or whatever. And of course, in this day and age, children, when they, once they get out of home, they don't look back a lot of times or, I mean, they go do their own thing and the parents just tolerate it, you know, because they want to see the grandkids. And so there is no, uh, moral consequences for the things that they find themselves doing. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to, I have a very powerful personality according to some people. I don't really see it. But <laughs> that's 
and they think that I assert, and all it is is I tell people what I think. You know, I'm honest, and people think that's powerful, and it is. And so I can exercise influence without intending to on people on a day-to-day basis that I'm dealing with. And uh, I don't want people to do what's right because I'm there looking over their shoulder. But, uh, you know, a famous line, or famous to me, most people haven't heard it, but in the movie Hobson's Choice in the, in the original article, uh, the, the neighbor guy says... Uh, that something in that man knows that my eye is on him. <laughs> and they had a great scene in the movie where uh, that that's demonstrated, and you just have to see the movie to see that. But the reality is, is that's what happens. When you begin to see the truth, and you don't even have to articulate it, and other people will sense that you're seeing something they want hidden. And they will not like you. And if you go online and you actually suggest something that's true that is contrary to what they want to believe, man, they want to come after you. And, of course, this is why they crucified Christ. So the trolls come out when you start telling the truth. But psychologists have done a lot of studying of this troll phenomenon because it's really kind of a new it's an old spirit. But because of the, the technology where you can sit behind a keyboard in, in somewhere where nobody even knows where you're at. They don't even know who you really are. You've created a whole persona online, and it's better than you really are <laughs> online. And you can sit there and troll. I mean, that was the influence we talked uh, in the first part of the show about, uh, you know, the Russian involvement in our elections. Well, nobody's suggesting that they were actually gerrymandering votes or we're tampering with voting machines, which we see evidence of all over the country, or had uh, 420,000 or a half a million or, or a million illegals in the country or, or foreigners in the country voting. Uh, they were, most of what they were doing was trolling. <laughs> and they actually trolled both the Democratic Party and the, the, the Republican Party. And probably the Libertarian and Constitutional Party because they want to sow chaos. And that's ultimately what the troll wants to do is sow chaos. Uh, so it says, while many trolls on the internet are often narcissists, psychopaths, and even sadists, some trolling may only be the result of a bad day. Or... uh a compilation of stress and anxiety uh, that they find in their day-to-day life and they find themselves lashing out as a troll. The danger of this is because trolling can become addictive. If that does give you a release, you will come back and do it again. Now, one of the things about trolls uh, that they talk about, and really they're, they're out, they're not really trying to win an argument, they're just trying to put people down. And uh, they want to create mayhem and confusion uh, because they don't want the light to go on. They they like the darkness. That's why they're hiding in caves and under bridges. They like the darkness. Now, these old folklore stories are there because they're telling you things about the personality of people. and And the reality is to pursue the activities of the troll will make you ugly. Like the picture of Dorian Gray. You, you will be... 
degenerated. You know, like in The Hobbit, you have Gollum, who degenerates till you can't even realize that he was originally from the Shire. He becomes this other creature because he, he lives for a long time and, you know, normally you just die, you know, that decrepit creature that you become before. But Gollum kept living and so he kept evolving or devolving into this horrible creature. Well, all the orcs and goblins and, uh, uh, the different characters in the story of, uh, you know, uh, the Hobbit, etc., are, were once good looking guys, but they degenerated into these other creatures. And so he's, he's creating a folklore story. Tolkien is creating this folklore story that is telling you what's actually going on spiritually. And we've talked about this before. Zombies, vampires, werewolves are folklore stories about what's really going on spiritually in people. So you don't want to give yourself over to that. Like I said, there's been people who've given themselves over and they literally, they started trolling one individual and they started looking for them in real life and just made their life a hell. They were stalking them. And finally they realized it and they went and got some help and they overcame it. And part of overcoming it was going back and apologizing to that individual because there was an actual individual. Now, most trolls, they don't know half the people that they're trolling. <laughs> so they'll just have to make up by, you know, apologizing to everybody else. But they have to do something different. Well, one of the, besides these terrible psychological problems that, that where they uh, demonstrate these uh, psychopathic uh, scores, uh, they, they have this cognitive empathy. Uh, they're able to sense the fact that uh, th- that the emotions of other people, but they don't have what they call, they label this as psychologist terms, they don't have active empathy. In other words, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they know they upset you, but it doesn't bother them. As a matter of fact, they get a little bit of a high because that's a victory. If they upset you, if they make you go away, if they, you know, and they can imagine that, you know, if you don't keep posting, they imagine that they drove you off. You maybe actually had to go to work. <laughs> but they they imagine that they won that one. They didn't win any argument. Uh, they weren't right. They actually made themselves look stupid a lot of times. But, I mean, the intellectual ones, they think they're so clever. You know, like the Rumpelstiltskins. Uh, but then they end up stomping their feet if you you call them out and prove them out. But that's so, the thing about the Internet is that... There's no follow-up. You know, they just go back and they think, well, I was straightening them out. You know, they're social justice warriors. They're crusaders for the truth. But they can't see their problem. They live in the dark. And anybody who brings in the light, and I'm telling you that if you bring in the Holy Spirit, you the Holy Spirit is not limited to the distance between my computer and your computer. <laughs> You are not safe. If you battle against the Holy Spirit, the degeneration process in your life, not if you battle against me. If I if I enter into the battle of me, personal ego, I, I'm not going to do you any good and I'm certainly not going to do me any good. Uh, even if I win the argument, even if I can present an argument that overcomes you and makes you look bad so you go off, <laughs> that, that's not... 
That's not getting closer to the kingdom. The kingdom is bringing the Holy Spirit into the equation. So it's not, you know, the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit because it's got the facts on its side. It does have the facts on its side. It does have reason on its side. But that's not why the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is because it's plugged into something else. Cain unplugged from the truth. He he denied the truth and became the first troll. And the reality is, is this trolling is about power. It's about taking power away from other people so that you you look like you have power. It's a feeling. It's all in the, the realms of feeling because especially trolls on the internet. I mean, the ancient trolls in folklore, they were carrying a club. But on the internet, it's a digital club. It doesn't actually exist. It's just... Uh, but it's actually provoking emotional responses. And if they're provoking an emotional response in you, they have a feeling of power. And that helps them overcome the truth of their own frustration and failure and inadequacy. Because trolls, in every case, people who are trolling are suffering from um, feelings of inadequacy, usually because they are inadequate. And they are inadequate because they are not willing to receive the truth. See, when you block out the truth, when you don't want to see the truth, especially about yourself, about your unforgiveness, about your selfishness, uh, if you don't want to see the truth about that, it creates a dark spot in your heart. In your, your prayer closet becomes a dark place. And you're not alone in that. There are other spirits that are going to start affecting your spiritual DNA. Because you're denying part of yourself. And so that's what's so important about confession. is confessing about yourself. Not confessing to some priest, some father somewhere. But confessing the truth about yourself. And that's why that apology that that guy went and delivered to the woman he used to pick on was important. I and mean, we see the same thing in Alcoholics Anonymous. That you had to go and kind of apologize to other people. Try to make amends to other people that you've hurt when you were an alcoholic. Because that's an investment in this new you. And it's out in the light of day, at least with some people. You don't have to put a big, you know, whole page ad in the London Times or anything. But you have to confess it openly to somebody. And start making amends. Because now you're investing in another direction. This is what seeking the kingdom of God is all about. Is that you're actually. And you're not depositing money in some treasury. Now you will be a charitable individual. But you want to be. You know helping not only those that love you. But people that don't love you. Because you've been hurting people. Because Hurting people. Sometimes like the troll. Is actually out going out and emotionally hurting people. Cain actually clubbed his brother. But you actually, when you stand by and let that happen, you're hurting people. In the article I've been preparing, I I bring up some, he was a disc jockey in uh, uh, England for years. And he raised millions and millions of dollars for the poor and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, hobnobbed with uh, high level people uh, all the time. uh, And... uh, he was actually molesting young girls. Uh, I mean, young girls. 
there was a recent bank president who, uh, Jeffrey something or other, I can't remember his name, but he was in the news and, you know, he's, he's, he's molesting 13 year old girls. I had a whole island that he, you know, people like the Clintons and everybody was going to and it was, uh, you know, it was a, a bad place. Bad things were taking place on. And he got caught uh, having intercourse with a 13, 14-year-old girl. And he got 13 months in jail. The jail he went to, he only slept in at night and was allowed to bring his personal bodyguard into the jail when he slept there. During the day, he went home and to his office for 13 months. This is his jail sentence. For molesting a, a, a underage girl, which they they refer to in the charges as a, a underage prostitute. Well, if it's underage, it's a crime, and you should go to a regular jail. <laughs> it did not help him to go to that thirteen months. He 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 still got problems. I I hope he overcomes his problems, but there's this double standard, and you'll see this all the time. With people that are aligned with this other spirit, uh, they they will have they will not have a standard standard of morality. They will constantly be, you know, overlooking what is clearly evil practices or doings, and, and justifying it in their minds. And uh, what the my point of bringing up this uh, this uh, disc jockey is that uh, he was given license and power by the people who held him up in this high esteem because he gave these millions of dollars. We do the same thing with priests who end up molesting children. Not all priests, but you know the ones that do get away with it because of the fact that we put these people up on pedestals. The only one that should be on the pedestal of your life is the Holy Spirit. It's Christ. Again, who's the cornerstone? And so, but we have this tendency to give power to people, like I say, politicians, priests, uh, celebrities, and suddenly they have, we are giving them power, which corrupts them. Like Saul, we gave Saul power, it corrupted him. Cain, and he started the first city-state, people were giving him power. Sodom and Gomorrah, they were giving the king of Sodom uh, power. And they themselves were corrupted by that. Polybius gives a really great explanation of this. That how it corrupts not only the men you give power, but the fact that you give them up power that you once had. And like I said, the power of the emperor comes from the imperium that was originally in the potestas that was in the hands of the individual man. And that power that was in the hands of the individual man, he vests in a man or a group of men, and they call it government, instead of governing himself according to the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, he gives that power to other men. It corrupts them, but it also degenerates him, the the man, the the guy on the ground. And so Christ had five thousand men, uh, you know, there out in the wilderness, probably at a festival. That's the only reason they'd be out there. And their families. And there was a shortage of food amongst Christ's people. You know, his ministers. I mean, it wasn't just the twelve. He had, you know, seventy, hundred people that were ministers. I mean, 
These are the ministers of 5,000 men and their families. And they're out there in one of the gatherings that are annually, there are several gatherings where they all get together. And there's a shortage of food for the ministers. And he says, okay, uh, how much do we have? And they only have this much. He says, well, make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Actually, he said, in, in symposia, in groups of ten, and then in, in ranks, which is like lining them up like the tents around the tabernacle, in groups of a hundred, in ranks of fifty, which, of course, is your five thousand. You know, fifty groups of a hundred is five thousand. So that's why you see those numbers there. Because they were creating this network, and then suddenly when they sit down, and that took a little while to happen, they had enough food. They had, they had actually had food left over, which is exactly what they had at Feast of Tabernacles and, and these other large gatherings like at Pentecost. They were to not forget the, the ministers, the Levites, the church in the wilderness, and they would end up with the surplus of what was distributed. And everybody filled. Well, common sense would tell you that these 5,000 men and their families were not out there with no food. They, they, this was one of the festivals. You come with enough food to feed your family, but you're also supposed to come with enough to share with everybody else. But they were just sharing with the people that they knew. Now Christ was making them sit down in a network where the sharing can go well, there's not quite enough in this group, but we have some extra and we'll give you extra and and they're sharing. So you have, you know, uh, 50 or 500 groups of 10 and that work together in ranks uh, and they had enough where there was all kinds left over because they were, stu- that, that's the miracle where people were actually sitting down in a network of charity taking care of one another. This was going to be absolutely essential for the church in the first century, second century, and throughout the first, uh, you know, first thousand years of the church, the real church. That they had to take care of all the social welfare through faith, hope, and charity, instead of force, fear, and violence, which is what the governments of the world were using. You know, threats and coercion and all these other things. That's the same spirit that we see in the world is the spirit that we see rising up in the troll. Of course, he's hiding behind his computer. But he has the, he's inadequate. He is a failure in the ways of Christ. And so he has to put down other people in order to make himself feel good again. Now, a lot of people go to church to make themselves feel good again. But that's all feelings. The person who is actually doing what he's supposed to be doing, what God intended from the beginning... He doesn't need anybody to conjure up feelings. He, he, his comforter is the Holy Spirit. It's not an emotional comforting. He doesn't have the discomfort everybody else has who has rejected the Holy Spirit. He's okay. He's fine. It doesn't make any difference. But I'm warning you that evil will not like that. And it will try to tempt you to become angry like a troll. It will try to tempt you to argue like a troll, to even put down other people like a troll. And you start seeing the ad hominems popping up and accusations and all these sorts of things. 
The way you fight that is to turn on the light in yourself. Not get other people to see their faults. Now, you may be called to do that, but you should be called by the Holy Spirit, not by the inadequacies of your own heart. You need to be awakening and seeing your own faults in your own heart. And sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands helps you do that. Because you have, especially when you're doing it with real people. That's very important. And, uh, I'll probably go into this in some of the psychology of this and how it extends to all the other networks of the world, uh, in the next show. But, uh, until then, I'm just going to have to say peace on your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.